Mimic is a monster movie from Guillermo del Toro, featuring giant mutated bugs living in the New York subway system. The film isn't spoken about all that much now, but it was a regular feature in cable back in the day. So let's see if it's worth remembering as we kick off 90s season. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And coming up on the show today, we are starting our 90s season, which is going to last a couple months, barring one or two detours that we have to take. Um, we're going to do about eight or nine 90s movies over the course of September, October, and even a bit of November. And part of the reason for this is that at the end of the year, we're going to do a top 25 sci-fi movies of the 1990s. We'll each make our own list. So we're going to spend the next couple of months... Um, reminding ourselves of certain movies that maybe we've, we've you know forgotten a little bit over time catching some new things that neither of us have seen before or you know vice versa you know one or the other um so yeah hopefully you'll enjoy this there'll be some there'll be like i say there'll be a little diversion here or there because like, for example star wars won the vote for the month so we'll be doing at least one non-90s movie this month but uh we're going to otherwise stick to 90s sci-fi and we are starting with this episode which is mimic uh, which is a Guillermo del Toro movie from 1997, uh, which uh, I have seen before, uh, and I saw you, I think. Mm -hmm. Saw it in the theater. Oh wow! Okay, uh, I saw this back on uh, pay per view. But I, I I bought this, or I convinced my parents to buy it for me uh, back when there was four like movie pay per view channels, and you had to like tune in at the right time and pay for it, <laughs> putting your pin. Mm -hmm. That was a, kind of a short-lived period of time, but I remember it well. I think I was young enough that it felt like a long time <laughs> at the time, yeah. but I feel like back, yeah, yeah it's not that long. <laughs> it's probably the way a lot of technology goes. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, from the age of about, you know, 7 through 11, <laughs> that was like a thing. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we, we drifted away into like video on demand. Not maybe a bit later than that. I wasn't 11 when that started. But anyway. Um... Yeah, so this is kind of a, a cable staple. Oh, that rhymed. Oh. <laughs> I felt a shiver when I said that. Hold on to that for when you start your band. Ah, staple cable. Cable staple. Anyway, <laughs> so it's a monster movie. Uh, it is, you know, a giant insect, you know, or cockroach style monster. And uh, well, we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go to the spoilers. And we'll revisit this. Um, I've never seen either of the direct-to-video sequels. It makes sense that we'll probably do them as bonus episodes on Patreon at some point in the near future. Because why not? Yes. Uh, but obviously the first one is a proper movie release, and uh, we'll get into it. Uh, so, yes. Uh, yeah, basic premise of this is that it almost feels like an alternate world in a weird way, because the premise of this starts off with, oh, there's this like disease that's killing children that needs to be like solved, and it's the cockroaches that are spreading it. Uh, and the solution is to make this super cockroach that's going to kill all the other cockroaches. Uh, and would yeah. you believe it, it mutates into something and life found a way, as it were, to survive. Uh, and I specifically use that phrase because it's, it's it almost feels it's like it's... almost in the movie. Yeah, they almost quote Jurassic Park when they're, they're sort of describing like how they should have died out and they didn't. <laughs> so... Um, that that's you know so a couple of years later is when most of, most of the story takes place and um sort of the discovery of this monster a lot of it's set in this like abandoned subway station uh so we get a lot of like locations like that uh a variety of characters um notably this stars Mira Servino who is sadly probably more known now for lots of bad reasons not that she did anything bad but that she's known for being a victim of something uh yeah. Harvey Weinstein in particular and this is a Miramax movie so this is you know, tangentially related about to that. In the right time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's about that time period. Uh, and this was the only thing I, I think I ever really saw her in. Uh, you never saw Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion? Can't say I did. Pretty funny movie. Was it? Okay. okay. Yeah, really funny. Uh, I think I saw that one a couple times in theaters with my mom. Yeah, so... Maybe she, I'm not painting in the right picture, but it is a very funny movie. Uh, the only other sort of notable... Actually, there's two more notable names that are in the cast. 
F. Murray Abraham shows up at one point. I wasn't even going to mention him. You're right, he's in there too. Uh, although, it's so funny, I'm used to him looking so much, so much older that it took me a second to realize, like, it was him. Yeah, this is after Amadeus, but, like, he looks older in Amadeus. Maybe it's just the powdered wig. I, I, I'm used to... And like, he does play an older version of himself, actually, in that movie, so maybe that's why. Yeah, but I'm used to balding, bearded F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, nah. just his hair having color was not... Yeah, yeah. threw me off. But uh, now Josh Brolin's in this, which I forgot. So as soon as he popped up, I went, oh yeah, he's in this. Uh, and then the other name, which I, I couldn't have told you his name, but uh, Charles S. Dutton, uh, the cop, is from Alien 3. <laughs> but, okay. But it, it didn't click. I actually didn't no re realize it was him. And then I saw him in the credits or in the IMDb when I looked up and I went, wait a minute. And I think I didn't notice because, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he's 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 eating some donuts, I think, between Alien 3 and Mimic. And he's he's a bit... You know, he's, he's a bit bigger, a bit rounder. Happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know who else is in this is Daryl from The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, he's got like a tiny role. but I mean, And he is unrecognizable. Oh, yeah, it, it took me he's a... He's so young. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize it was him. And then I went, oh, yeah, he's in Blade 2. He's like friends with Del Toro, so... I, yeah, and I guess they both were in uh, that video game. <laughs> uh, they were both in Death Stranding, yeah. 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 Um, uh, the... Uh, I saw it in the IMDb also, and I went, well, who was he? Like, I didn't, I watched the whole movie. Who he, was he? And I actually had to look and, like, type in his name and his character mm -hmm. name and mimic <laughs> to see what the scene was. Yeah, and he's... He, he, when he, I watched it again, I was like, I just, he, I don't recognize. I don't I, see it when I... I don't it. even know what you call that job, but he, he's, he's, like, unclogging, like, the sewage system where everything gets yeah, pumped he out. Yeah, he like, the wastewater treatment yeah. plant. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the exact term for his job is, but, yeah, that's worse where he is. Uh, he's only in one scene, basically, though. Well, two, I think, technically. But he's, he's in one scene yeah. with, where he's, like, featured prominently, where he's got dialogue and stuff. And I don't hear it. Like, he talks, and I, I'm just used to him doing, being so, like, somber, mm. grunting. <laughs> but, he's, like, a lively young adult in this. I don't... Yeah, th this is much closer to his Blade 2, which is, you know, Blade 2 is only a few years after this. So it's, it's much mm -hmm. closer to that version of him before he became well-known again with Walking Dead. And obviously, there is a, a certain audience that know him from Boondock Saints. I've never seen that movie, but... Uh, I have, and if, yeah, that audience is not <laughs> not our friends. <laughs> there, I used to work in a video store. There are people who would, like, come in and say their favorite movie was Fight Club and Boondock Saints, and, like, I know exactly the type of person you are. We are not friends. <laughs> I would judge them. That's that's oh, if I worked at a video store, I would judge everyone. I, I I'd be so judgmental of everyone who walked in the door. Like yeah, no, no denying it. One time, there a guy came in with his kid, and the kid was playing with a like a toy dragon or something, and the kid goes, "His name is Dutch." And I looked at the dad, and he looked at me. He's like, "From Predator." <laughs> and the kid's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Oh, he just came to Dutch on his own." <laughs> but he and I both had to look like. Did the kid watch Predator on like on TV or something? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I judge that guy, but you know, in a good way. Okay, okay, yes. yeah. Some judgments are good. Some judgments yeah, can yeah. be can be positive. Um, uh, everyone else in this movie, I don't think I really know them from from anything. Well, there's a, a, a bunch more, but the you know the the main sort of male lead, uh, the boyfriend. Uh, I guess or Jeremy Northam. I'm pretty sure I've seen in some like ability or something. That's what I'm talking about. Like I, I don't know him from anything else. I know him from the r slash uh, vintage lady boners. He always pops. There's some fan on there. She always puts pictures of him up there. Okay, good to know. <laughs> good to know you follow r slash uh, vintage lady boners. <laughs> I have a very particular type of taste. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I don't really know the the rest of the cast all that much. Like a lot of them are just kind of in my head. They are just the mimic people <laughs> that's all i know them from uh but yeah so it's got a very particular look to it it's very much of its time it looks like a grimy 90s movie does uh, it look like fincher to you it has that fincher filter on it it's right? got a, yeah it's got a little bit of a fin fincher-esque i would actually say though that it's not really inspired by fincher because i think the to del toro's earlier like uh movies that he didn't make in the u.s also have this kind of look to them so i think i've seen chronos yeah um uh, I guess, yeah, I can see the similarities there. So I, I think that's just... 
Ella del Toro also has kind of a similar look, and I think his looks more inspired though, because there's definitely like European directors that sort of do that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's where that comes from, rather than it being like a direct. Although maybe that's why like it appealed to like American distributors though, is like, oh, you you look like Fincher. You're doing Fincher stuff. <laughs> yeah, everyone's still high on Seven. Yeah, it's only two years after that, so you know uh, it's all very hot. And hell, you've got a dude from Alien Three in this. You've got Fincher. You know, that's right. Uh, connective tissue. <laughs> I mean, connective tissue that Fincher himself has cut off with an axe, but, you know. Because um, he hated Alien 3. He has nothing against the actor. <laughs> just, you know, he, oh, wants yeah, to, yeah. he wants to separate himself from Alien 3 as much as he possibly can. So, yeah. Yeah, now I remember watching this on pay per view um, before digital cable. So it was back when there was only 100 channels and there was only four pay per view channels. And this was on one of them for a week. And I insisted that I wanted to watch it. So. Yeah, I went. And, I mean, my mother likes monster movies anyway, so it wasn't mm. like much convincing. But I, I was an avid watcher of Siskel and Ebert. I don't. Yeah, I think it was still Siskel and Ebert at this time. And they, I remember them talking about this movie as in like you got to go see it. It's definitely worth a watch, even though it's a dumb monster movie. It's worth a watch. So I remember like that conversation with my mom. Like we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> So I assume then, you know, if it was on pay-per-view, either depending on what time of the year it came out, it must have been later, 97 or maybe early 98 by the time I saw it. So just I'm just thinking about what age I was when I saw it. So I, I would have been eight. If it was really late in the UK, maybe nine, but probably eight. So that, that's probably where I, I, I fell uh, into this. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, just to sort of give our impressions of, like, how we felt about the film at the time and how we kind of instantly feel now watching it again because it had been a long time since i watched it i saw it a bunch when i was younger but this was the first time in a while that i sat down to actually you know give it give it a proper watch mm-hmm. so uh what are your feelings i definitely like the movie still um i do think that the last act of the film where things get very um you know it's still like a good monster movie and stuff but i, I do find i get a little um checked out of the last act of the movie uh, I'm not sure why I watched it twice because we had to postpone things because it's just been I've been living in hell <laughs> weather wise <laughs> for the last week it's just been so awful lots of power cuts yeah yeah um, but uh, and and both times like once the endings you know the big act at the end starts I'm I just kind of check out like I'm over it <laughs> but for the most part like I, it's a good monster movie it's not. I guess it's kind of like uh, an updated version of the giant insect films that were really popular after the nuclear age, but this one's dealing with science. Like, uh, I, I think in terms of like its style, it's far more influenced by Alien. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of Alien and Aliens in this movie, uh, which we'll talk about. But I, I see why you're saying that, though, because it is a giant insect, effectively, so it makes you think of those 50s. So it's, it's kind but of I, a, a marriage of yeah, those two like, things. Right, like The Fly or like... Um, them, uh, giant praying mantis, but, I mean, the Mi- deadly Mi- mantis. Mira Servino basically has a get away from her you bitch like moment in this, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there's definitely some alien no, style. It's not like memorable or anything though. Well, no, it's not, <laughs> but that's clearly the, what it is. It's that moment. And the, I mean, the special effects, you can, they're a little janky, but like it, you're dealing with insects, so you can kind of get away with stuff like, uh, you know, like Starship Trooper style. Um, it's not as like egregious when the special effects are uh, when they're practical i think they're very good when it switches to cg they look horrendous that's my stance on this <laughs> uh, the, the movements are so fast though sometimes that you're just like well, i didn't even really i couldn't even really see well i think that's part i think that's part of the problem though i, I think that the reason why some of the the last act kind of because I, I actually think the best part of the movie is kind of the end of the second act and at the start of the third act because um, there's kind of this sort of safe area and they're sort of hiding and they're trying to come up with a plan and it's, it's a lot like aliens when they're in that safe area and they've got the turrets and they're like okay what do we do how do we survive this night kind of thing uh, I like that part quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. the problem is is once it goes beyond that um, I think part of it's Del Toro's directing uh, who I'm not like a huge fan of I'll, you know, I'll put my bias out here right now I actually until Pacific Rim I would have said this is my favourite Del Toro movie and even though I'm being critical of this right now, I would still say it's my second favorite Del Toro movie because I don't. I'm just not a big Del Toro guy. But um, I think that last act, once it gets to like, okay, they, they leave the safe area and let's try to like enact their plan and all that stuff. I think like so much of it is so dark and there's so many quick cuts and I don't think 
there's a sense of like geography and a sense of like where things are coming from and objectives that make those types of things thrilling and easy to like follow as an audience member i think you know when you're when you're watching um your scenes in aliens or you're watching scenes in um like there's a really strong hand from the director to really guide you and so you always feel like you understand where characters are going and what they're doing and there is a plan at a certain point in this movie but once the plan kind of falls apart and there's just people running around and like you know it feels like we could be anywhere and we're just magically appearing in another relevant room that could be useful or something you know there's not really like a through line where you're really following and understanding why we go from there to there to there um so i, I think agree. That, i think you know well, i was gonna say that i think the last 20 minutes because of that are just kind of like it's hard to almost pay attention and kind of take in like what's happening to a certain point and you're just kind of like going through the motions so you're not really loving it or enjoying it i agree i even like was thinking that when i was watching it like i think it's just this uh early you know director stuff where maybe he's given this you know big budget to do an american film and like uh you know we loved we loved chronos here's some money make a monster movie <laughs> And it's a very unique monster movie, so I think that's really cool. And I like all the stuff, and I like the the first half of the movie uh, quite a bit. I like the mystery stuff, you know, the very, like, um, who is this mysterious person, and uh, what is this kid scene, and uh, all the little clues and stuff that they're coming across. I I really like all that stuff. Uh, I was just double-checking. This was his first American production. Yeah. And they did Blade Two or something right after, or well, he actually went back uh, and did Devil's Backbone, uh, which is not an American mm-hmm. movie, and then he came back and did Blade Two. I haven't seen Blade Two in so long, so I can't remember if I like that or not. Is that the blood sprinkler one? No, that's the first one. The second one is the one where he has to team up with the vampires, and there's like was like super vampires they have to fight. <laughs> is, is Sean William Scott in it? Is that the third one? Declare the... from American Pie. I don't know who that is. I'm like, I, that must be the third one because I don't remember him in one or two. Blade Trinity. Um, Blade Trinity has Triple H in it. That's what, that's what I remember about Blade Trinity. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I think it's just uh, maybe like a storyboarding problem. You know, you just mm. it, it feels a little messy. Like uh, like maybe it's he thinks that that's a good thing that everything's chaotic. But as an audience, I think I just yeah I get a little bored of it. Like I don't. If I can't follow where everyone's going and what's happening or who's gone, like who died, <laughs> I just don't. Or I have to think about like, well, wait, did we lose them? When did they die? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's probably because, you know, you lost me. And uh, uh, yeah, so I think it's just an early, um, just his early work problem, you know. And I think part of the shame for me is that it does actually establish a lot of little rules that the characters can use to sort of try and get around and things like that. And it feels like it follows them until it just wants to not follow them anymore and just have chaos happen. And then it, mm-hmm. chaos happens and I'm like, well, I was enjoying the rules. Like, do something that sort of, like, you know, give it a reason. That is basically all I'm saying. So uh, that, that's kind of a shame. Like, I, I do like more or less how the movie looks and that it does feel kind of unique. It feels like a very grimy world, like you said. It feels kind of almost like Fincher's Seven, like, universe in a weird way. Um, there's kind of a, a tone to it, which I appreciate. But I, I do think, as much as it, it does feel uniquely Del Toro, I do think Del Toro, and this is not necessarily a complaint in a broad sense, because this is what Tarantino does, but it does feel like Del Toro's like doing a lot of greatest hits of things that he likes, and he's putting them into his movie, uh, which is fine, but not everything he puts in here I think I necessarily like. Um, there's an example here I've got that's um, basically how Mira Savino's character, I mean, won't spoil it because we're not in spoilers, but how she ends up with everyone else just feels so random and like like uh convoluted to me that it kind of really took me out of the movie where um what the one part i will say here to really make my point is that she's in like the subway not that the abandoned subway like the regular functioning subway where there's people and there's like trains and everything and for some reason all of a sudden there's just no one around and it does look like a horror movie scene where she's like seeing like a figure in the distance and i'm like why is there suddenly no one here? She just came to the subway and hung out until it was this dead. Like, you know, is that all? Like, well, she's waiting for uh, her, you know, her, her husband to come back. Yeah, well, which is fine, but like, it, it just it kind of felt like all of a sudden it felt. I thought it was a dream sequence. Yeah, it, that's actually the scene that I remember most from watching the movie. So I think I like uh, from the theaters. Like, I rem- that's the the scene I always think about when I when I think about the film. I just, it feels like to me, he really wanted to do this scene so much that, but I, I just don't think it made that much sense in the moment for me. So it really kind of stuck out to me. It's like, 
you really wanted to do this creepy scene where it's just her and the potential monster in like the subway but like all of a sudden there's just no one around at all uh i, I don't know it just because it, it didn't feel like there was like, a time lapse where like people were slowly like getting thinner and thinner it just kind of like all of a sudden and I, to, the, to the point where i legitimately thought it was a dream sequence and that she was going to wake up that she'd fallen asleep on the bench or something like that and then oh no like this is all just real and this is just how she gets involved in like the rest of the movie uh so like there's just there's little things like that sprinkled throughout where i feel like some of the old 90s and like further back tropes kind of sneaking in stuff that movies just don't get away with anymore that uh, you know and there's a lot of things about movies that i wish we did bring back but this 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 sort of like moment was is not one of them <laughs> it's interesting that you said there's like there's del toro stuff that you don't like in this when i watch the movie i don't see del toro's hand in this very much like it doesn't look or feel like a like a del toro movie to me it oh actually no feels it, like the most like not his film from his filmography that i can remember i know i completely disagree i think it looks exactly like a del toro movie it looks like the same guy that made chronos it looks like the same guy who made uh certainly his earlier films um like his characters also feel very del toro to me um and that's maybe part of why i don't like del toro that much as i always kind of feel like a bit of a disconnect like his characters always tend to I don't, he goes for this kind of almost sentimental approach with all of his characters, and that's very much in here as well, where, you know, they're, they're trying to make you care about the little kid who's with the, the, the shoe polisher dude, um, and, like, everything with him is very sort of sentimental, and the way the characters kind of interact with each other, there's kind of a sentiment vibe that he brings to his movies that are, they exist to some extent in all of his films. Maybe it's less or so here, just because it's not the type of movie that comes, you know, has a lot of I it guess, but i i guess i associate del toro with uh fantastical so i i don't see a lot of fantastical in this because it's a it's a monster movie but it's not like a romantic monster movie, you know or something else there's always something else layered into his films that i don't see in this there's not no, not in the story but i definitely see his hand and how the characters are handled and how the movie looks and like how it, how it flows like it, even it, the monster doesn't really feel del toro to me I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I just don't. Uh, I'm I'm used to the fantasy of of Del Toro's work. You know, I don't uh, I don't see the this as very much his. Like I honestly was surprised to learn it was Del Toro, and I I knew that you know before this before this podcast, but um, I remember having that moment. I was like, oh, that was him. Like I wouldn't have guessed it was him. No, I think it feels like him. I, I think it, it doesn't feel as strongly him as some of his other movies, which is why I probably like it more <laughs> than most of his other movies. Um, I mean, I like some of his movies. I thought Nightmare Alley was okay, but... And same with Shape of Water. I don't think that was the best picture of the year, but... but for the most part, like, his movies always offer something to look at that's really go- cool, but I agree that his writing of his... The dialogue in his films are usually leave something to be desired. Like, I just can't connect with the people. I think my favorite one of his is probably Hellboy 2. <laughs> I, I, um, I I think my big thing with Del Toro is that when I'm watching his characters, I can't get invested in them as characters or people. I just see, like, movie characters that are at a distance. Like, mm-hmm. they always feel like he's doing his take on classic movie characters, and I never actually just get invested yeah. in them on their own terms. He's it, you know, trying to write for, like, Rock Hudson or something. Like, <laughs> you know, we, even when you're watching Sh- Shape of Water, and I'm not necessarily saying someone shouldn't have a style. Like, I, absolutely, like, I, I appreciate that he has his own style. I just don't like his I style that much. I love films, yeah. Um, I, I don't necessarily like the tone that he goes for in these movies. Uh, I, I think there's always a sense of... Um, I, I, just, I always cynicism feel like, I, I feel a lack of weight no it's not cynicism it's the opposite if anything he's, he's too uh, whimsy I, I feel a bit of whimsy in most of his movies bizarrely maybe not in this one specifically maybe, but... maybe it's your cynicism that's the issue here <laughs> uh, no I agree I, 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 too, like, this is the thing I, I want to make this clear Guillermo del Toro was a person I think I would get on well with I think he seems like a lovely oh, yeah. fellow right I think I can sit and talk to him about movies all night long I just oh, yeah. don't really like his movies that much um, I that way about Kevin Smith. And, but. and I think the reason why this one... I don't think I'd like to get on with Kevin Smith, honestly. <laughs> Just to interject on that point. Um, okay. He's um, <laughs> a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he... Um, so, so I think the reason why this one appealed to me... So to, before Pacific Rim came out, which I actually do kind of like that movie, 
Um, I mean, we've talked about that before. That's, that's, we've done that in the show. Yeah, I don't uh, love it. I know you don't, but um, the reason why this was probably my favourite Del Toro movie and the only one that I kind of liked up until that point was because it probably is as far removed from Del Toro as any of his movies had been and that yeah, I can still tell that it's him, but it's also kind of a generic monster movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a fairly watchable generic monster movie and it does have more style than other generic monster movies. Uh, like, I would say that the actual monster movie part of it is pretty straightforward and is pretty typical, but he does have a sense of style, at least in how it looks, if, but not so much the editing. I do think he has a problem with how he, he structures the uh, like the action sequences and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's, that's what we talked about with the ending and how like the last 20, 30 minutes just kind of feels like a blur at a certain point. Mm-hmm. That's hard to focus on. Um, so that is a shame, but... I think because it does just like go a bit more streamlined and a weird, which would normally be a problem. But I think because I don't like Del Toro that much, I actually think it's a benefit for me in this movie. Uh, so I mean, to, to sum up, like I, I like this well enough growing up. I still think I, I still enjoy it for what it is. I don't think it's a great movie. I wouldn't even necessarily go as far to say it's a good movie, but I do think that he clearly. I think he liked making it. I think he was passionate about making his like monster movie, and I think I like. You know, I like moments, I like scenes, I think it's an easy watch, I have some nostalgia for it, but I, I wouldn't say it's, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily praise it or, like, sort of, you know, I, I've seen better since. I, you know, I, I've, I've, my, my movie watching scope is much wider than it was when I first saw this, and, um, you know, so. But. Okay, well. It's decent, you know, it's a, it's a decent movie, but it's not, it's, not, it's nothing special, by any means. Yeah, I mean, I... I would say probably the same, honestly. Like, it, I enjoyed watching it for the most part. But <laughs> the it's not you like g- one that's going to be on, um, like. <laughs> you're giving me an idea, like, Peter's been really cynical and jaded. How dare he? And then you're like, I'll say the same thing. <laughs> no, I, well, I wouldn't say it the way you said it, but. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have that, like, mm, I can't have Italian food. I've been to Italy <laughs> with your whole, like, oh, I've seen shut good up. Movies, so. Oh, shut up. That's not what that means. <laughs> It's just not the same once you've been to Tuscany. <laughs> the more movies you watch, the higher your bar goes up naturally because you have more of a pull to compare to. What are you talking about? To. Do you not know me? <laughs> like, I, I know the point I was making. Hopefully some of the audience did too. Yeah. And didn't take it as a snobby slight. Um, like, I don't think it's unfair to say that my standards as an adult are a bit higher than when I was, like, nine when I first watched this. I think that's a pretty normal course of life. <laughs> yeah, okay. But how do you feel about 95 Judge Dread? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love Judge Dredd 95. <laughs> yeah. But that's different. No, I like that. I I, I partly like that because of how stupid it is. I I love the cheesiness of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just making fun. I I think you know one of the things that's you know tone and vibe is such a hard thing to sort of pinpoint and see why you like certain things and don't like others, and it's such a fine line where I, I do get frustrated when someone assumes I'll like something or not like something because I don't like or like something else, and I think. To people, sometimes two things. Well, these are the two of the same type of thing. Why do, why do you like this one and not that one? And sometimes it's just one simple little thing about the the tone or the vibe that just clicks with me or doesn't. You know, it's you know, it's, it's like you know, we talked about Flash Gordon uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, why? You know, I I couldn't get into that, but I can get into the the badness of of ninety five Judge Dread. Like, and mm-hmm. maybe it's because that was unintentionally <laughs> what it was as opposed to Flash Gordon which was trying to th- you know it's almost like Tommy Wiseau trying to make an intentionally bad movie it's not it's never going to be as good as The Room because The Room was unintentionally bad and that's part of it but you know I, yeah, whatever I, yeah I, I think I'm always going to be excited for the next Del Toro film and I think it's just because he does have a unique look to his films that uh-huh. I don't see in this. I don't recognize it in this at all. But I, I do, like, if he says he's going to make a Pinocchio, I'm like, I want to see what his version of Pinocchio is. I may not like it, but, like, I still want to see it because there's not, you know, one of the problems that we talk about with modern films is that the creature designs tend to be kind of the same thing now. Like, we, we have, like, two pools. There's, like, an octopus thing with tentacles, or there's like an alligator-based creature, and that's all we get now. And I, 
I like that his movies, I'm still going to expect a, a new design that's very him that feels kind of retro but but new and updated uh, that th- I that we don't really get anymore in movies and I'm always like excited to see the next thing that he's going to come up with for that but I like I said like I do have the same kind of disconnect with his characters and his dialogue a lot of the time where I, I'm just not going to love it but I still like appreciate and look forward to his vision you know I think I would like to counterpart what you said there at least the way I feel about it is that he might be different from other creatures in terms of the ones he puts in his movies but i think he has a kind of same thing he keeps going back to i think you can look at abe sapien which he didn't design admittedly but abe sapien and hellboy you can look at the the monster in pan's labyrinth and then the fish monster and uh the, the fish sex yeah. one <laughs> I, think he, I think he said like his favorite um monster movie is like the creature from the black but, lagoon he just likes that yeah. design so what, the what, fishman look. Yeah, but what i'm saying is though is that each time he's got a new one i'm not going oh he's going to do something new and interesting i can already recognize he's repeating some of the same things over and over so it definitely has inspiration from classic designs yeah. but we don't get that kind of stuff in modern movies anymore you know and i do like seeing it still even if it is like well that's a creature in the black lagoon that that lady's having sex with but like at least you know it's a creature that we haven't seen since the 40s or whatever whenever the last one was that they made um, you know? Yeah, I guess. I, I I just I feel like uh he does kinda stick to some some things that he keeps working with. Obviously I'm not expecting a webbed you know, a hand in his Pinocchio because, you know, there's <laughs> probably probably no room Is for he it. Is he still making one. that? I'm not sure, but I have no idea. I I, I don't really keep track of Del Toro's uh upcoming work. So I, w- I will say like I'm I'm very disappointed that he backed out of the Hobbit films when it was already like in production still too like i just would have loved to have seen his version of like you know an actual fantasy and it probably would have been one film and it would have been you know at least exciting to see something a new vision of it but um i think it switched to two movies while he was still involved so i don't think it would have been one movie it makes sense i mean if you read the hobbit there's there's so much stuff that happens in it so like it makes sense that it would be two movies but no not three that third movie was nothing like that? Yeah, but I I don't blame Peter Jackson. I mean, it's Del Toro's fault because he backed out and they still had a deadline to reach. <laughs> I don't know if that's Del Toro. I think it's just the studio wanting to milk it for everything. They wanted a third movie, so they they took like what might have been ten minutes of story and stretched it out but to two have, and a half hours. I, I'm telling you, I watched the I watched everything about the Hobbit films. I watched the extended edition. I watched all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I I'm I'm deep into what happened on the set okay sure right <laughs> I, I will accept you know far more about the production of the hobbit than me right but i'm just saying I, I, i'm just saying <laughs> no all i'm trying to say is that third hobbit movie is one of the most embarrassingly bad big budget movies i've ever seen it's yeah, and you know who's the first to tell you that in the commentary <laughs> Peter Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> yeah the whole commentary and the extended edition which doesn't help at all. Like the extended edition doesn't give you anything the, that yeah. you know, clears things up. The, the theatrical it's just one long apology. The theatrical movie is like two hours too long. <laughs> Never made the extended cut. Well, I mean, I don't own them. I own the other three, but I don't own those. I mean, I like the first two Hobbit movies well enough, but the third one is just yeah, it, it's just a, a mess, and and it, there's a reason for it, and one of the reasons is Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I, mm, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a horse in this race. I mean, I, I have no interest in The Hobbit. I I don't really like Guillermo del Toro. I even really like Peter Jackson. I mean, I like Brain Dead well enough. Um, Frighteners? Not, you don't like Frighteners? I don't like Frighteners that much. I, I think I, I think Frighteners should appeal to me. I've watched it like three times, and I've been underwhelmed every time I've watched it. I like that movie. And I like Michael J. Fox, obviously, you know? What's not to Michael love? J- it's Martin yeah. McFly. <laughs> like... But Herbert West is in it too. Herbert West is in it, and I still just I think it's a underwhelming movie. Um, uh, we're spiraling into other things here, so let's let's get back on it. Yeah, let's get into the plot. Let's get into the spoilers <laughs> on Mimic. Uh, so full spoilers for Mimic from this point on. Um, but uh, I, I I think the reason why we went on that little tangent is because I think Guillermo del Toro and Peter Jackson are, are kind of related in my mind because they are not just because they're related because of the Hobbit, but because they are two directors who are kind of well-liked for a couple of big things that I just, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I don't, 
they're not my things <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't have this like love for them that a lot of like movie nerds do so but hey um so yeah spoilers for the mimic from this point forth um movie stars with really like sad imagery of like empty playgrounds and then we see like all the all the hospital beds and how Mira Servino meets her, meets her husband who's worked for the CDC which can I just say on that topic um the number of like CDC like crime scenes if you want to call them that where they go in and investigate things and no one's wearing a goddamn face mask was really bugging me <laughs> I was like come on you think this shit that's hanging on the ceiling might like have something in it that's that's you know that's that's going to spread a pandemic and you you think maybe a face mask just in case i, I don't know <laughs> also do people in the cdc have like police badges i don't know did you see one yeah he whips one out he, he goes up to the crime scene and whips out a badge looks like a cop badge cdc i'm in the cdc and i'm like i don't know that's cool though <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> they kind of treat. They kind of treat him and Josh Brolin like the, like the cops, but they're actually working for the CDC. They kind of. They kind of act like cops, don't they? They do. Like they detectives. Act, they really do act like detectives. The way they show up in this movie. Um, maybe CDC has a detective branch. Who <laughs> knows? I mean, may, maybe there are bad yeah. CDC people, but this felt like it's like a a part of the crime scene investigation. You know, it's the like, virus side. Maybe these types of like CDC like workers do exist, but all it felt like to me was like they didn't do any research. They don't know how CDC people actually work, so we're just going to write them as cops, and that's what they are in this. This this is like Brad Pitt. They have investigators, right? This is like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman rolling up in seven, except instead of looking at a murder, they're looking at shit on the ceiling. That's, that's what this is. And you don't like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like it well enough. I I, I, yeah. I, I enjoy it for, for what it is. But it's... <laughs> that's, that's just really stuck out to me early on. Uh, but yeah, so this well, is... A, yeah, I mean, we've gone through, you know, a pandemic now, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Basically, they released their bugs to kill everything. We skipped three years later. Uh, we see that Mira Servino and uh the, the new boyfriend have, have gotten married they're trying to have a kid obviously one of the big themes of the movie is that they're trying to get pregnant but seemingly can't although we find out that she actually has tested positive uh before she finds out um and there's a bit of a thing here where maybe she's being punished by not getting pregnant because she played god and created this other species and there's you know there's a bit of a you know her old professor f Murray abrams kind of like oh you did something ungodly but then again the reason why I have healthy grandkids right now running around is probably because of you, because every kid in New York apparently was dying uh, from this disease. So yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, like, and she got rid of all the cockroaches. Why aren't everybody like you know? They should be thanking her because screw roaches. Part part of me thinks like the the city infrastructure in New York would collapse if there wasn't the cockroaches that would prop it up. Like they're, 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 they're inf- cockroaches are only around to survive the Holocaust. <laughs> the nuclear Holocaust is going to happen, and then after that, yeah, it'll be a cockroach world. They're instrumental in uh, holding up the city. That's my that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and to be friends with Wally. Oh. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So there's this obviously the 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 monsters killed a guy on the roof, and I say monster because it feels like there's only one for a while. But then obviously, by the time you get to the end, you realise there's like tons of them. But uh, it's called mimic, of course, because this insect, this giant like human-sized insect, can sort of like form a shape that looks vaguely human from a distance, and that's kind of uh, the the you know the driving force behind the name. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of stuff early on here where the, these kids find a bug and try to sell it to Mira Servino, and it turns out to be like a new baby of the species she created, which sets up that oh shit, we have to deal with this. Like if they're breeding, this could be bad. Um, so they were all supposed to die out within six months. Yep, yep, they weren't supposed to be able to breed, but they they did. Uh, so that leads to sort of investigating where they found this bug and they go into like the the, the subway and it leads down to the underneath the city and all these abandoned sub there's a lot of abandoned subway like areas in this movie like i don't know how much of that is real or not but i mean maybe it feels like it it does feel like a very movie thing to have all that 
I think. Yeah. But there's it, it a lot of that. At first, they get told to piss off by uh, the, the cop uh, played by played by Dutton. Uh, but later, he has to like escort them down because they've got the proper permits. Because he, he does work for the CDC. It's not like he's some schmuck who's just coming in and like demanding to look at the weird areas of the subway. Um, mm-hmm. Was it just me, or was it kind of weird that this cop, like, knew the entirety of the abandoned subway mm-hmm. system? He was like that priest character, wasn't he in uh, in Alien Three? Yes. Okay, now I remember him. <laughs> it took you that long? Yeah. <laughs> I told you that half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize this was the cop you were talking about. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. What was, the, what was one of the cops from the beginning? Or <laughs> no, no, this cop. The, 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 uh, I, I would say this is the cop of the movie. You're right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, he is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't think of him. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, you know, it's very handy that he not only knows all the abandoned layers of the subway system that have not been used in decades, but he also knows how to like rewire <laughs> to turn things back on and like mm-hmm. this is a, like this cop like. He's just there to guard the, the 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 train platform. Like that's his job. <laughs> he probably has a lot of you know free time. He just you know oh, goes yeah. over the records and okay, the, okay. the old instruction manuals. He's got time to shine his boots and read the paper. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the shoe shiner, of course, another main character, and his kid who um, is is good at doing the spoons, and he can hear like different footsteps and tell you what shoes people are wearing. Uh, yeah. this, another one of this common thing that we've seen in the last like month of all kids on the spectrum are also that, like, savants this isn't as bad as like what the predator did but I, I definitely was thinking about it as like oh he's got this special ability uh yeah. kind of thing you know it, it definitely felt like it was of that that genre of trope yeah, yeah. it's a trope but, yeah yeah every kid's got to be gifted yeah <laughs> Uh, but this is the kid that eventually Mira Savino is going to have to save, and you know this is this is her new. Although he doesn't, she doesn't actually spend much time with them though, so it doesn't have the same kind of like impact. No. <laughs> she, she has one scene with them on the train platform before she finds them like way, 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 way late in the movie. I like the um, I don't know if it's father or grandfather, but I like this actor who plays the the guardian of this kid, mm-hmm. and he seems very Del Toro to me. Like I wonder if he's a holdover from like oh it could be yeah from Kronos or something but I don't know I don't recognize him from anything though Giancarlo Gian- Giannini is his name oh he sounds Italian it sounds very <laughs> Italian uh I'll just click on him uh, maybe he'll be Geppetto and oh <laughs> he was in a couple of the Craig Bond movies he was in Man on Fire with Denzel Washington oh okay okay so he's been in things yeah He's got a good face, good voice. I like, I like, I liked watching him. Uh, yeah, I, I like very, uh, you know, like a caricature face, almost like unique. I like that. I like good faces, not just pretty, but like structure. I mean, I don't feel strongly about his face like you do, but I, I, I enjoyed watching his performance. He, he had a very kind of mm-hmm. homely and fatherly kind of kind of feel to him uh, i did think it was kind of a weird way they talked about like the way he talked about you someone like, it was kind of sweet the way that he looked after him but at the same time when mira savino says doesn't he go to school because you know it's the middle of the day why is he here and he's like he doesn't need school he's special and i'm like that sounds like bad parenting to me a little bit yeah <laughs> what do you think you should be around kids <laughs> maybe like Learn forming social bonds yeah <laughs> you know um so yeah, yeah. Is he, is he just t- teaching him the ways of, of shoe polishing so that he can follow in your mm-hmm. footsteps? No pun intended. Uh. Shoes, feet. No. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think this comes back to what I was saying before, how his movie characters just feel like movie characters to me. Mm-hmm. You know? And they're not, they're not, they're not annoying characters. This is not like I'm watching a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. And it's the it's the complete flip side where they're just these like annoying husks. These do feel like movie characters, yeah. but they they feel like just movie characters. Mm. What are you laughing at? Husk. Uh, okay. Like an insect. Yeah. Okay. 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 I didn't mean that one, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> but when I watch a Paul W. S. Anderson movie, the humans are the cockroaches. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Uh so yes, there's there's a lot of uh investigating things. Uh so, like the 
So the two kids that try and sell her the bug in the cornflake box, they think there's money to be made by finding the nest uh, of these bugs. So they go looking for it in the subway and get killed. So I'm going to give it points. Del Toro was willing to kill the kids. And I always, yeah. I'll always credit that. I'm surprised by that too. Yeah. Credit is due. I, I, I thought I, one of them was going to make it. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. First, uh, the kid gets stuck in a bunch of barbed wire and like cutting up his legs, <laughs> and then he gets like killed, ripped apart by a big old insect man. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then the bodies like show up at the water treatment plant, which is how we bring those characters into it. You know, they report it and. Uh, Mira Savino goes out to talk because she's got a best friend who's in a band who just kind of disappears halfway through the movie. <laughs> I I thought she was fodder, not not necessarily this time, but the first time I watched it, I think I would have assumed she was fodder for a kill later on. But she never, she just disappears after halfway. She she she's there because yeah. she she knows Norman Reedus and she's yep. there to generally help her out occasionally, and that's it. Do they find the dead bodies in the plant? I thought they that he just found the um the teenage insect no they find the dead bodies because there's a whole scene where it, it comes up and the guy gets up with the, the broom or whatever it is and pulls it out he says he, th- he says i think it's a kid um oh, I, I thought it was still like the um that it was still the insect because that was the next scene you think norman Reedus would have brought it up uh yeah I, found kids. I kind of just read it as um like that happened but then he called them in because you know like mm. he, he was our friends the bug lady <laughs> Because uh, uh, that's what they say at the start. It's like, are you the bug lady? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm the bug lady. Yeah. <laughs> if he's got more than four legs, then it ain't a mammal. It's the Norman Reedus line. It is, yes. Uh, I suppose technically that's still true. I was going to say a whale's a mammal, but I suppose that's still less than four legs, technically. <laughs> yeah, and if you look at the bone structure of a whale, it's actually... It's very, it's very weird to look at because you can see a human in it that's been like stretched out. You know, you can see where the legs are, you can see where the hands are, but they are left like a really long index finger to make a, a fin. Well, that's part of this movie though, is that when they do kill one and she investigates it a little bit, it's got lungs, mm-hmm. which obviously insects aren't supposed to have. So it's part of the mimicking process. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, just how it works in general, I thought was interesting. And also, like, uh, isn't that the reason we, we don't have giant insects nowadays is because of oxygen levels and stuff? And when they're not, like, mm. able to to breathe enough, so maybe they would have to have that kind of adaptation in order to get the size that they do, yeah. which is of, like, a six-foot-tall man. Well, the way she describes it in the movie is that to create this species that killed all the cockroaches, they effectively gave it this, like, you know, it was like it was evolving, you know, jumping by generations, like, very quickly. So, as she compares it to, like, 40,000 years of, like, human evolution or something like that. Um, so, that's kind of the idea, is that in three years it's become this, you know, human-sized mm-hmm. mimic insect thing. It's a good episode of Futurama about nanites that has the same thing. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> One of the newer season ones, too, which are not as good as the old ones. Not to sound like that person, mm. but they're not as funny. I mean, it's not that controversial to say. I mean, everyone agrees that The Simpsons was good for about 10 years and then it's been going for an all 25 of not good years. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so many good There were some strong episodes in the in the drama when it was brought back, but for the most part, they were just kind of eh. Mm. So, they weren't the gold that they used to be. Anyway, so 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 uh, Peter, who's the, the husband character, and Josh Brolin are going down with the cop. His Josh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they they go down with the cop to investigate the tunnels and they keep going down. Eventually, they're on a platform that collapses. So Josh Brolin's still up and he goes back up for help. He gets killed on his way though, so we get like him on his own, just kind of like getting stalked. And then he's he's like climbing up into like some sort of like abandoned kitchen and he gets like stabbed and blood starts pouring out of his mouth and he gets pulled under. I like that scene though. I liked his escape scene where it was very tense. And, you know, he's in this one like he's trying to get through like a sewer line or whatever and and reach this one cable thing and. I mean, the, the, the bug man does look very CG, but uh, I do like his, uh, that scene is very tense and he's still like, you know, we get the blood at the end, so doesn't quite make it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not enough kill. Like, it's, it's just dreadful enough. Um, and it's right around here where Mira Servino gets, like, you know, kidnapped. Because uh, that was one of the things I was thinking about the kid, is that the, the kid, like, you know, ends up down here on his own. And that's why the father ends up down, because he's looking for him. 
Um, but like the insects don't want to kill him. They seem to be quite, you know, he, he thinks they're his friend because he's, uh, you know, he's confused. He's not in school. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't understand. <laughs> One of the things that's weird about that, though, actually, this idea that the kid mimics them by mimicking the, the footsteps with the spoons, right? I think what's weird about that idea is that the movie specifically points out that they use scent to tell who the other bugs are because that's a big part of the, you know, when they get the dead bug, they mm-hmm. rub the uh, the inner, like, mucus all over them to like cover you know cover them in their smell so that the bugs don't know that they're human that they're you know and assumes that they're, they're fellow bugs they're fellow mimics um hello fellow, fellow mimic <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, if it works with the smell then then why would the sound of just the the footsteps trick them well i imagine it's just because like they're just confused by it you know because it's clearly mm. talking like okay. an insect but i mean we don't know what it is so we'll just take it back i mean they're bugs so i don't know think like a bug <laughs> i don't know what thinking like a bug means necessarily but yeah sure <laughs> probably would be confused you know yeah <laughs> like, yeah that's, i suppose that's true this is not the 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 normal uh you know meal thing that we would deal with we don't I mean, know what this is i do i do like the whole you know once they're they've got me Savino and they run back to the train car and that's kind of their safe space for a bit because they rub the mucus all over the windows and all over themselves Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that they're like the rule to try and beat them is to mimic them because that's their whole thing is that they've been mimicking humans. I like that flip on it. I like that flip from a narrative perspective. I wish it just felt like it had more effect once like they left the car and they had their plan to like cut some cables or join some cables and get the train going. Um, it kind of felt like after like a couple of minutes, it just didn't matter anymore. And like, oh, the, the monsters are just chasing them all, all over the place now. Um, yeah, it would have been a cool um, sequence, I think, if we stuck to the subway car and mm. used that to escape. I don't mind the idea that they have to destroy the nest, though. I mean, that makes sense for the film that they would have to do that, find a way to do it. But it does get, like, everybody gets separated. No, Everyone's on their own except for she's eventually with the kid. But, like, everybody else is doing their own thing. And, yeah, it's a bit like, I don't know, like, I don't... Uh, the the subway stuff is just with the cop and then Jeremy Northam is doing his thing and she's doing her thing. Which don't get me wrong, the cop like sacrificed himself because he's bleeding and the the blood attracts them. The fact that he goes out and like sort of lures them away to save the rest, that's fine. But I kind of wish that the plan was still to get the subway car moving and like sort of run back to it and I can see how that that would be very fun. Like that would be a more fun segment and also it would be kind of cleaner just because, you know, everyone would still be together. It is, yeah, but I think it would just it would function better and be more satisfying. And like you say, it's fun and it's a monster movie, so I'm kind of I kind of want fun. That's <laughs> kind of what I yeah. want from this. And I feel like because they all separate and we get these just different sort of like kind of mediocre climaxes with everyone, where you know Mira Savino goes up in the little the dumb waiter thing and like eventually like meets the the the, the male the king uh, mimic and effectively lures it into a subway train because they get back up they, they get up to like the active subway lines and she kind of like does like a, a jump out the way at the last moment thing after she's like go get away from him you asshole <laughs> right she has that kind of moment uh and i i actually really dislike peter's like kind of like big final finale moment because it just felt like such a cheesy cliched movie moment where he blows up the nest with the gas and the lighter but just as it's happening somehow between because well, not even the lighter, sorry. He drops the lighter, and then he actually just starts ramming the metal, like, pipe onto the ground to make a spark. Somehow he, he makes a spark that ignites the, the gas to explode, but is able yeah, to I jump. Yeah, the whole thing is... But, but is able to jump after the spark to safety into the water below. <laughs> I'm not so sure the timing of those two events can happen that way around. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I, he probably would have some major, you know, lung damage. I, yeah. <laughs> and no I, hair. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure exactly. I, I mean, I just assumed he got thrown in there by the blast. The explosion. But he, he probably would have been knocked out and then drowned to death. The, ex- the explosion <laughs> starts with the spark, which is where mm-hmm. he is. But the movie treats it like the explosion starts a little bit further away, so he's got time to jump and get away from it. But no, you, you're the ignition. <laughs> you're the one who did this. In the, you're the middle of it. You're the epicenter. Yeah. You're the man who's who's 
jumped on the grenade. Like, yes. <laughs> you're going to explode. So, you know, so him, him surviving and, like, you know, doing the big, like, emotional reunion where he's, like, walking up the stairs at the end under the street and she's like, oh, my husband. And, and we it, know as an audience that they're going to have a bye-bye. Yeah, he, he, and even an adopted salon kid. Yeah, they've, they've, got, they've got a new kid, obviously, as well, that they're adopted. But he comes up and hugs her. He's like, we're going to have a baby. And I'm like, I don't know. She's been jumping around and rolling around a lot the last, like, 10 hours. Maybe maybe we'll go to a doctor and check and see if the baby's still uh, on the cards. <laughs> I just thought of this. I, when I was watching the movie, uh, they kept talking about, like, oh, the insects have a king, and the king is the only one that breeds. And I kept thinking, it's odd. I thought, like, insects have a queen. But now I'm thinking about it. Maybe he didn't want to be aliens. So he had to make it uh, swap the gender of the insect. So it's a king instead of a queen. Because otherwise it would just be too plain. <laughs> there's, there's definitely some aliens in, influence in, in this. Which is, I mean, it's my favorite movie. So I'm, I'm happy to <laughs> for movies to, to try and do some alien stuff. But uh, there's definitely some of that in there. And Do you think that's why they made it a king? Because... Don't you, like, you think about the queen bee or the, the queen ant. Like, you always think of a queen when you think of you do, the you do. insects. But I wonder, but she explains to the kids at the start that, the, uh, that at least the, the insect she's talking about, like, works with a king. Maybe there is some species that do work like that. I yeah, don't know. maybe. I'm not an expert. I'm not a bugologist. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> entomologist is the entomologist I, I think I, I think that's what it is but you, you keep saying bugologist bugologist is better yes <laughs> uh, I'm a bit bug specialist I like that I'm a mm -hmm. bug specialist <laughs> insectophile <laughs> I don't know about that <laughs> that sounds like you like to do things with insects to me <laughs> oh <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um yeah i i i think the ending for me is uh obviously very hollywood it feels like this had to have the happy ending where both of them are still alive because that's that's you know like we're, we're at its core it is definitely a mainstream hollywood movie that a mainstream studio was putting out and it, it definitely feels like that yeah i mean once you see him hit the water you're like okay so he's not dead yeah <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna survive because i thought he's gonna make a sacrifice and his memory would live on in their baby yeah i you know i couldn't remember if he survived or not so i i legitimately thought he was about to die and then i saw the the jump in the water and just kind of rolled my eyes i was like okay that was a bit cheap <laughs> like the, the way he set off this explosion there is no way he also jumped in that water but it, yeah i don't think so either uh, i mean it's it's whatever i it's a shame because I, I do think it sets up these rules of they use the smell so they can cover the, 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 the body and the shit which is maybe even arguably a little predator you know it's not visual it's smell rather than you know the vision but you know it made me think of that a little bit because they're smearing themselves well, it's also just hunters right don't they use like uh, scent, scent cover up so mm -hmm. if they're like downwind you know they don't trigger any like predators to come after them uh, that is true yeah yeah. video games <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's a real thing yes you hunt upwind of your prey that's what you do so they can't smell you yeah i know that or much you have to use some sort of scent disguise yes um i i just like i i think it's a decently fun enough movie that i just don't think ever excels enough to actually kind of like be special or or even just become more than the sum of its parts, if that makes any sense. Like, it, it feels like it is a sum of all these different things that Del Toro wanted to put into it. And it's got some decent cast members, and it's, you know, it's it's, it's a very watchable 90s cable movie. And it definitely has more style than other generic monster movies of its time. But I don't think it ever actually becomes more than a generic monster movie either, if, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I, I don't know if I am making sense, but... It's no alligator, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's not really what i was trying to say but uh sure it's that's... better than alligator 2 though that's not exactly high praise <laughs> <laughs> um check out our patreon for uh <laughs> for our thoughts on alligator and alligator 2 i guess what i'm saying is is that i kind of get why this movie's not really that remembered it's kind of you know like we remember it because we remember seeing it at the time we remember it being on cable or whatever I don't think this movie... You know, I think this, the best thing we can compare this to, actually, that we've talked about not too long ago was Species. 
because I think Species, uh, while it's also not a great movie and does have its problems, I think Species is a little bit more remembered than the Zeitgeist, at least for our generation, than Mimic yeah, is. Yeah, it's got naked ladies in it, though. <laughs> I don't think it's just that, though. I I think there's a, there's a level <laughs> of... memorable. I, I think it's a level of pulp that it reaches because you have, like, Michael Madsen's performance against Forrest Whitaker, and you have just more memorable like, characters interacting with each other, even if it's never beyond just, like, a cable staple. There you go. I'm going to use that yeah, phrase there. Yeah, it's got some good set... <laughs> there you go. Your band name. Uh, it's got some good set pieces in it also that... And some some good puppetry and... Or not puppetry, but, like, you know, like, the cocoon thing she's in is pretty cool. Yeah, it's got some bigger uh, like, set pieces, the, the, I would think, rather than this. Once they go into the subway, it all kind of becomes, like, the same look and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, and and I think both this and Species were both movies that were playing a lot around the same time period on TV. Like, you know, they, they were all over it together, pretty much. Yeah, definitely the same audience. Uh, but I think Species is the better movie. It's definitely the one that I think I rem you know rem is remembered better and... I don't remember what I rated it, but yeah, I think I would put Species over Mimic. Yeah, I, I definitely would. Although both of them just kind of have a, you know, crap ending. <laughs> yeah, but I think Species' crap ending is much shorter. It's a much smaller part of the movie versus this. Yeah, it is. But there's still, like, problematic CG, uh, things that take you out. It's too dark. Yes. They're underground. <laughs> no, these are, this is all true, but it's shorter, it's less of it, and... Uh, the rest of the movie's better. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, uh, you know, M Mimic is very watchable, but ultimately, to just go straight into my rating here, it is a six out of ten. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to agree or dispute that. Uh, um, considerably. Uh, yeah, I, I actually was also going to give it a six out of ten. Hey, look at that. That was my rating going in. Cool. Um, I I think in my head I remembered I remembered it as like a seven, and watching it again I'm like you know what this is you know it's just not it's it's more of a six it's more of a six and that's okay nothing wrong with that it's still good it's very watchable that's you know it sounds like a backhanded compliment but it's very watchable it's not a waste of time it's a it's a good background movie I I wouldn't say you need to focus on it too much but yeah you might put it on have something. But whilst you're doing your jigsaw puzzle or something, <laughs> put on Mimic. Because <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. recommend put on 2001 A Space Odyssey when you do the jigsaw. You focus on 2001. Well, I mean, how could you not? You give that your attention. Mimic, you can, you know, let just sort of go on. So that's fine. I watched a movie called I Am Here Now. It definitely demands your attention. How dare you slip a Neil Breen movie into this review? <laughs> I'm not having this. That's disrespect. I'll talk about it more in uh, another video. Check out <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> How many Neil Breen movies I want to have to hear about when we do the next Meltdown episode? I'm not excited. I've been watching all of them. I've been, I'm, been putting off Pass Through because I actually ordered it from his janky website. And <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that he actually touched the envelope. We'll see. I'm pretty sure he did. I think he's he's individually mailing everyone himself. This is a one-man operation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty so sure... I, I'm getting a physical copy of Pass Through, and that's going to be a big event when I get that. Like I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain his, his the DVDs you buy from him look like burned DVDs. They don't, they don't look yeah, like a, yeah. a, a real release. They look like the copy that you've got off a guy at a street corner. I'll have to put gloves on. Okay? <laughs> Not to spoil it. <laughs> Anyway, no one knows who Neil Breen is uh, who's watching this show. Or very few people do, anyway. What? This is super it's niche. It's Breenius. He's a, he's a horrible <laughs> movie director who makes lots of really uh, terrible, no-budget movies. I think you just don't understand him. And he's delusional and thinks he's a genius. That That's that's Neil Breen. Anyway, uh, that has been delusional. the Atomic You're Cinema delusional. Experiment. <laughs> this has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Tara, why don't you tell them about Patreon? <laughs> That's right, Peter. If you guys enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV, where if you donate as little as $3 per month, you will get access to our Ace reviews one day early, and you get bonus materials at the $5 level, including our new show, which is the Ace Movie Meltdown, 
where we will be talking about movies that we watch that are not necessarily sci-fi related, but just whatever we've been watching. And you can expect this month for a lot of Neil Breen talk. I can't wait. Uh, as worth mentioning as well. Turns out they're all on Internet Archive. Uh, it's, uh, by the way, uh, important thing to mention here is that uh, when we put episode two of that on Patreon, the first episode will go up free for everyone, so everyone can get a, a, a demonstration of what uh, of what Meltdown is like. So, yep. um, so you can look forward to that. Yep. Oh, you done? Okay. I was. Uh, Thank you, everyone. I was interjecting, thinking that you had more to say, but never mind. Yeah. I feel like I covered it. All right. Of course, you can support everything as well by hitting the super thanks button if you want to do a one-time donation, or you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, rate the podcast on iTunes, wherever your audio podcast from. All of those things do help. Get us on Twitter at Screams Midnight uh, for updates, or if you want to send us questions or, or whatever, uh, you can do that. Um, check out the Discord, the Reddit, all these other things uh, if you want to. <laughs> but uh, is there an R slash Miles Fuzz? There is. Whoa, I'll have a second thing to subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> Along with vintage lady boners. It's great. I contribute to that one too sometimes. I'll bet you do. <laughs> For the audio <laughs> listeners, I got some eyebrow movement there after I said that. I just want to point that out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> all right that's been the atomic cinema experiment hopefully you're excited for more 90s movies uh, over the next few months uh so uh next week we're visiting one that neither of us have seen before uh we're going to be looking at screamers starring peter weller so we'll see how that goes uh but this has been mimic this has been the atomic cinema experiment thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching sci-fi and computer at salsa <laughs>